Our reading today is from Philippians chapter 3. Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this or have already reached this goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Stephen. You're getting pretty good at that, man. <laughs> Got him double duty today. We appreciate Stephen's leadership with the Methodist men and what he does here. And again, um, say thank you to the worship band. God, what a powerful day of worship already. We've been blessed. Now that we've heard God's word read to us, we seek its meaning for our life today. So I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer because we know that's the work of God's Holy Spirit among us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to be with one another in this place and to break bread together, to remember your love for us and to hear your word that instructs our lives. And we know, God, that there is meaning here for us. We know that there's something you want to say to each and every heart that's here. So open our hearts and our minds, O oh God. May you enable me to proclaim your word in a way that brings glory to you and to you alone. So may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts in this place, O oh God, be acceptable, pleasing to you. May you now speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to imagine for a moment this, today that, um, use your imaginations a little bit with me, and imagine that you are an actor on a stage in a play. Some of you actually have experienced that. Um, but all of us have no, knows what it's like. We've at least seen an actors on stage and playing, performing a play. But for a moment, I want you to imagine that you're one of those actors in a community theater production. And you've uh, worked for weeks and for months, learning your lines and rehearsing and getting ready you, to know your part. And opening night is just around the corner. And now tonight is the dress rehearsal. You know what a dress rehearsal is, don't you? It's that uh, low-risk run-through in an empty auditorium that you uh, have the, uh, so the director can get to see and know that everybody knows where to do and where to go and what to say, right? Well, right before the dress rehearsal takes place, a last-minute turn of events happens. The director comes up to you and says, uh, by the way, we have a special guest coming tonight. Uh, a New York talent agent is flying in tonight to see you perform in the dress rehearsal because he's considering you for a part in a Broadway play. Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? <laughs> no longer is this just merely a dress rehearsal. <laughs> this now is the performance of your career, right? I mean, what you do tonight will determine your future, at least uh, as an actor. 
So you give it all that you've got. Well, I want to take that analogy a step further and make the point this morning that we're not talking about a dress rehearsal. Rather, this morning we're talking about your life and where your performance has the potential of taking you in life. One of the lessons that we learned throughout Scripture, and you've heard it uh, focused on this uh, series that we've been in the last several weeks, is that this is not merely a dress rehearsal that we're experiencing today. This is not just a dry run. This is the real thing. I mean, for us, each and every day, it's game on. Sometimes we have this tendency to to treat life as if, you know, today really doesn't count. As if uh, there's going to be another opportunity further on down for me to get things right and live life as I should live it. You know, it's, we just kind of coast through today. But the Bible teaches us over and over again that today matters. It matters more than any other day of your life. <laughs> today matters. This morning we're, we're wrapping up a series of sermons that we've been calling uh, Focused Living. It's been aimed at helping us to experience the power of intentional living. When you seek to focus your life, where you're focused on what your priorities are and what really matters the most in life, then all these essential elements of life becomes very clear, more sharper in focus, more uh, easier to define. In week one, we talked about what it means to live with a one-master lifestyle. Remembering how Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. And so we need to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of our life above everything else. As the writer of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In week two, we talked about how we need to identify and pursue our life's purpose. And we recognize that God has called us to something to do something that is just a little beyond what we're comfortable of doing on our own. But if you're ready to reach for that calling that God has for your life, God is ready to show you. He's ready to help you to fulfill every good thing that your faith prompts you to do. Last week we talked about what should be the defining characteristic of our life together, our defining characteristic of the church, of every believer, and that is love. Love. Now, Jesus made it clear that our expression of love for one another reflects the extent of our love for God. And so we are to love one another with the kind of love that expresses itself in what we do, even to the point of personal sacrifice. Today we're focusing on an idea that's referenced throughout the, um, the weeks that we've been in this series, and that is making the most of every day making the most of every day. Some of you may remember the movie uh, a while back, uh, Dead Poet Society. You all remember that movie? That's one of my favorite movies. It's, it was about a literature professor in a, um, a prep school, an elite prep school back in the 1950s, who resurrected an ancient Latin term that most people had just forgotten all about. And you probably recognize this term. It's carpe diem, right? Carpe diem. It, it means seize the day. It, it means grab it. Hold on tight to it. Uh, all you've got for we only have this one life to live. As the writer of Hebrews says, each person is destined to die once, and then after that comes the judgment. I mean, that's life, right? We only have this one life to live. 
That's why the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That phrase, number our days there, really has two meanings. On the one hand, it means help us understand the brevity of life. And on the other hand, it's meant to say, help us plan our days accordingly. So in order for your life to be all that it can be, you have to recognize that you only have this one life to live, and so you need to try to live it to its fullest. You need to uh, carpe diem, seize the day, and, and, and that's what we're talking about when we talk about an intentional life and a focused life. So today I want to talk about living with this make the most of every day mentality and attitude. Seizing the day, each and every day. In order to be, for your day, for your life to be everything that it can be, and in order for every day to be all that it has the potential to be, then we need to make three daily resolutions, I believe. Three things that keep us focused on what's really most important in life. The first is this. You have to make it your daily habit or quest to try to put the past behind you. In the first week, I talked about there are really two ways that we tend to dwell on the past. It is if your past has been a very difficult past, a bad past, then you find it hard to let go of that. I mean, it's hard to let go of the mistakes we've made in life. It's hard to let go of the pain that we've experienced by the, the hurtful things of others. It's hard to let go of the sins we've committed. It's hard to let go of a difficult past. Uh, we keep wondering to ourselves, why? Why did this have to happen to me? Um, why did I do that? Why couldn't things have been different? A hurtful past tends to bring bitterness, um, shame, regret into our present life. And that makes it very difficult for us to live fully in the present and focus on what's most important. Sometimes we don't dwell on the past because it was painful or it was a bad past. Sometimes we cling on to it because we think it was so much better than what we're experiencing today. You know, back then, things were so much better. Back then, I had more money. Uh, back then, I was in a better place. Back then, my problems were few. My troubles were small. Back then, life was simple. Life was carefree. Why can't my life now be like it was back then? That back then mentality also prevents us from focusing on what is most important today. This is why Paul says in verse 7, Whatever gains I had... These I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So if you want your life to go where God wants it to go, then you have to try to make it your daily quest to put the past behind you. I know that's hard to do. The past has a way of creeping up on us. It has a way of haunting us even taunting us. But in order to experience the blessings of today, we have to try to put the past behind us, and you have to do that as many ways and many times as necessary, sometimes on a daily basis. I mean, athletes have to deal with this. I mean, athletes, those who are on a national stage where the whole world is viewing everything that they do, uh, when they make mistakes, uh, everybody gets to see it, right? Especially when they make one of those mistakes that costs their team the game. 
You know, those kind of mistakes are never forgotten, right? <laughs> They're just on replay over and over again. And uh, even fans have a tough time moving beyond those kind of mistakes, as we Saints fans are, uh, know all too well, right? Uh, but imagine that you are the one who made the mistake. <laughs> on New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech was playing California in the Rose Bowl. And late in the second corner, Roy Regals recovered a fumble for for uh, California, and in his excitement of recovering the fumble, he got confused. So he started to run in the wrong direction. For 65 yards, he ran in the wrong direction. He thought he was about to score a touchdown when instead he's tackled by one of his own teammates on the two-yard line. So that meant his mistake had placed his team on the you know, two-yard line. He was 98 yards away from where they could have been. It was a game-changing mistake. It was, it's written, got a book about it, got movies about it, everything else. It was, he's not forgotten <coughs> about that. But uh, later on, a few plays later, Georgia Tech would get the, the ball, and uh, they would uh, end up scoring a touchdown. But they get to the locker room at the, at the halftime, and Roy is sitting on the bench just with his head in his hands. He's literally crying. And the locker room was silent. Even the coach was at a loss for words what to say. And finally, shortly before the team was to take the field um, for the second half, the coach simply said, the starting team will go back on the field to start the game. So the team heads out. Everybody but Roy, he's still sitting on the bench with his head hung in shame. He said, Coach, I can't do it. I can't go back out there and play. I have ruined the team. Whereupon the coach said, get up, Regals. There's still the second half. The game. The game's only half over. You belong on the field. Well, guess what, folks? Your game is not over yet, either. Regardless of the past, God isn't finished with you yet. You still have the rest of the game to play, and you belong on the field. The Apostle Paul, when you reflect about his past, I mean, his past is enough to haunt anybody. Here he made his career as a Pharisee, hunting down Christians, having them in prison, tortured, and even put to death. And then when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he realizes what he's done, how terrible the things he's done, he then, he could have just remained in that room and uh, been overwhelmed and wallowing in his self-pity and shame. But God wasn't finished with him yet. And so God says to him, get up, Saul. Get out of the locker room. I need you off the locker room. I need you back on the playing field because you belong on the playing field. Your game isn't over yet. So Paul put his past behind him, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. He got back on the field and he made every day of his life from that point on matter. And we have to do the same thing. That leads me to the second resolve that we need to make on a daily basis. Not only do you need to strive to put the past behind you, but you also need to pursue the road that is before you. What is the road that's before you? Well, it's the second half of the game. It's that, the next job. It is the next opportunity to try. It's the next assignment. It's the next challenge you have. Uh, even if your life has been spent, if all of it has been spent headed the wrong direction, and you now find yourself tackled on the two-yard line, 98 yards from where you should be in life, God says, 
the game's not over for you. You need to get out of the locker room. Get back on the field because that's where you belong. Paul understood that he could not pursue the road that was before him as long as he was looking back over his shoulder at his past. And so he says, this one thing I have resolved to do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal that God has called me to. And likewise, if we want our lives to be all that it can be, each day we have to be asking ourselves, what is it I can do today that will make today matter? It will make the most out of today. What can I do to pursue that goal that God has for me in life? In week one, we talked about paving a path for your heart to follow. So every day you have to ask yourself, what can I do to move my heart closer in my walk with God? We also talked about how we need to be focusing on our living out our purpose in life. So every day you have to ask yourself, what can I do today that will help me to pursue the purpose that God has for me? What can I do today that will please God and bring honor to God? Last week, we talked about living a life of love and how we need to keep our eyes open to the needs of those around us. So every day you have to ask yourself, you know, what can I do? To, what's the next opportunity to share love with someone else? In order to have the blessings of a focused life, you have to do this every day. You have to focus on these things and be intentional about it. You pursue the road that is before you. You, you press on. You seek to make this day as if it were every day how it ought to be. Focused on Jesus, pursuing, pursuing your purpose, loving others. This is how God, I think, would have us to seize the day. Here's the third resolve we need to make. We need to make it our habit to aim that which is beyond us. Another way of saying that is that uh, you keep reaching for that which is above you. The Apostle Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how we need to pursue our purpose in life. And I I made the point that whatever God is calling you to in life, it's always going to be a a reach. It's going to be stretching you. Because God's call in your life is always going to be a little bit harder. And a little bit harder to reach than what you feel comfortable doing on your own. Because that's where God wants you. He wants you leaning on him, walking by faith every day. As Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained or this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. The calling that God has upon your life, it's always going to involve reaching, straining toward that and step of faith. In times it may seem like an impossible step of faith to make. But you keep straining for it. You keep pressing on, pursuing it. It may seem like your marriage is never going to get back on track. Can't possibly. And yet you keep straining. You keep working toward that and striving for that, a better relationship. Something that is beyond where you are right now. It may seem impossible that your business plan is going to work. Or that the degree you're trying to obtain is ever going to be attained. But you keep pressing on for success. It may seem impossible that you would ever get under the, away from the power of the sin that is controlling your life. And yet with God's help, you keep striving for that victory. Seizing the day means that each and every day you dare to reach for that something that is just outside of your capability to reach on your own. 
That's something that is beyond your ability to grasp. But you realize that it's worth it. Because it's a call that is taking you in a heavenly direction. That higher calling that God has given to you through Christ Jesus. As Paul says in Philippians 4.13, even though it's something I don't have, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but not on my own. In 1960, Dashreth Manji was a common laborer in India. And his community was in a very remote area. Um, It was quite a ways from all the vital necessities, medical care and things like that, in a much larger town away. They were up in the mountain area. And the reason it was so far away was because there was a 300-foot mountain between them and the next town that had all the vital resources. And after Dashreth's wife died because they could not get her to medical attention enough time, he decided that what their town needed more than anything else was a road through that 300-foot mountain. Well, he couldn't get anybody interested in doing that, and um, so he decided, I'll do it myself. So he sold a few goats. He bought him a hammer and a chisel. And every day after work, he would go chisel that 300-foot mountain seeking to make a road through it. (laughs) Of course, he was like a modern-day Noah. Everybody thought he was crazy, that his project would never get finished. But he just kept at it, chiseling every day. He said, when I started hammering the hill, people called me a lunatic, but that only steeled my resolve. He started this in 1960. So in 1960, he's chiseling every day, 1961. He's still chiseling every day. 1962, he's still chiseling every day. You go a couple of decades. Uh, 1980, he's still chiseling. 1981. Finally, in 1982, he finishes this project. Today, it's 30 feet wide and 25 feet high. No longer do the people of his village have to go 34 miles around this 300-foot mountain. They can just go three miles to the necessities of life through the mountain. What a wonderful story. Of reaching beyond uh, that which you believe you're capable of. It's a wonderful story of redeeming the pain from your past, of pursuing something that is beyond yourself for the sake of others. Can you really carve a road with a hammer and a chisel through a 300-foot mountain all by yourself? Yes, you can. Not in a day, but in 22 years doing that every day, pursuing it, straining for it, pressing toward it. Listen, if you want your life to be all that it can be, you have to make it your daily resolve to aim for that which is beyond yourself. Keep reaching for that which is above you. You do it every day. We cannot afford to go through this life with this uh, dress rehearsal mentality of thinking that you know, today really doesn't count. I've always got tomorrow. I could always, uh, there's another opportunity, another day down the road. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Today matters. More than any other day of your life, today matters. We only have this one life to live. And so we need to carpe this diem. We need to seize it and seek to live this life that we have here on this earth to its fullest. And we do that by putting the past behind us, pursuing the road that is ahead of us, and every day continuing to aim toward that which is beyond ourselves, that higher calling that Christ Jesus gives to us. So let's make it our goal to live a life that is intentional, a focused life. Focus on the things that really matter in this life. 
so that we might obtain the life that really is life. It's in that spirit that we prepare to come this morning to the Lord's table. Remembering that Jesus gave us the example of how life is to be lived. God looked at us and he knew that we weren't going to make it on our own. (laughs) There's too many things that we tend to do that distracts us. Takes us off on the wrong roads. Too many things we do that have become a barrier between us and God and the life that he has for us. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a way of cleansing us of our sins, of giving us a new beginning to be able to go out and live the second half, the rest of our game. And today we remember that. But that's how much he loved us. We remember how he took bread when he gathered his disciples in the upper room. And after he gave thanks for it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this as often as you eat of it in remembrance of me. And our brokenness is made whole because of his love for us. We remember how after supper he took the cup and he gave thanks and blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this represents my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And today we remember. We remember how God has given us this life. He's got a purpose for us. Something to do that he calls us to do each and every day. I don't know what your past has been like. Maybe this is a place today that you can put it behind you because God gives you that ability to cleanse you of your sins and your past so that you can move forward into the future and live today as he calls you to. Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask you to bless these elements of bread and juice that you would make them the body of Christ for us, the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, O oh God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in that final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet together. Through your son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask those who are assisting me to come forward.